Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Good morning, Living Hope. Good to see everybody. Take a seat. Oh, so good to see everybody. Good, uh, good rainy music. Amen. Good rainy music. All right. So um, we're going to keep worshiping here in just a little bit, but we're going to take a little bit of time to uh, talk about some uh, kind of housekeeping business around here. And, uh, and so um, let's just, uh, if you have, you have a brochure in your seat that uh, looks like this, Project Hope. I've got a little echo or reverb or something going on here. Um, so let's take a look at this. Uh, we've been talking about Project Hope coming for quite a while and, and what that looks like for our ch- church. And if, you're, if you're, this is your first time with us, Project Hope is a two-year initiative that we're starting off to become more of the church that we feel like God is calling us to be. And, uh, and so I want to kind of briefly outline what that looks like for us this morning. Uh, I, I'm just excited. You know, I, I, my, over the years, uh, in, well, Living Hope kind of formed as a, a vision uh, in a living room, uh, you know, about 15 years ago. And, um, you know, the, the vision was we want a different kind of church in Dixon. And um, not that there's anything wrong with any of the other churches in Dixon. We just felt like that there was a, uh, or, or those who started, I should say, who, who started this initiative called Living Hope Church, uh, felt like that there was a... Uh, um, a void in Dixon that could be filled by a different kind of church. And so that formed and, and, and has grown into what you see here today. Uh, and we love, I love this church. And as much as I love this church, this is a weird thing for me to say. I don't, I don't know if I, I thought I would ever say this before. Uh, but as much as I love our church, and I love our church a lot, uh, I think I'm starting to love our town even more. I love Dixon so much. I mean, I just... Just, I love that God called me to this place, and I love that he has called all of you to this place as well, and that this is our mission field. And, and, and um, you know, Dixon has had a, you know, over the years, over the decade, decades, Dixon has had a very weak church movement. Um, you look at um, towns, actually, I'm going to use this as an example, but this is not the norm. But say, you know, go down the road to Vacaville. Uh, Vacaville is an anomaly for Northern California. It's the only town in Northern California that feels like there's a church on every corner. Um, and, and, but, but there's such a strong church movement there. And, and I think what ha, for a lot of Christ followers in Dixon, they've kind of leaned into other communities for their, for their spiritual needs, for their sense of community, that sort of thing. But the church movement here within our city limits has remained weak for years and years and years. And, and we feel like that is changing, not just with our church, but we see it changing in, in, in other churches, a greater unity among churches here now. And I think that that's helping a lot of that. But we feel like God is stirring up something right here in our town. I, you know, we, we meet in this gym and uh, it has served us well for a lot, a lot of time. But there began to be some, you know, a year or two ago, I would say some really kind of great unrest amongst a lot of us. Uh, as to maybe, you know, it was time for us to take the next step into uh, our church, owning our own, you know, facility, having a place that we could kind of call headquarters, that sort of thing. And so over the last years, 
uh, I, I would say one of my primary prayers has been kind of the why behind that. Because, you know, honestly, we don't need a building just because we need a building. I mean, I, mean, there's, there, I talked last week that at the end of the day, a building is simply just a tool for us to do what we feel like God is calling us to do. It's not, it'll never be our church. Um, we are the church. And so, 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 what, what's the, and so that's been my prayer. God, what's the why? I feel like you're stirring something up in us. But what's the why? Why is it that we need to do this? And, and as we sought God for his vision, for kind of what he wants us to be, who he wants us to be in this community, what needs are there that need to be met that aren't being met, met in this community, uh, we felt like the answers that kept rising to the top seemed to be answers, many of them, not all of them, but many of them, hinged on us having a place that we could call our home in which to, for us to operate out of. And so let me just kind of outline for you, put up that next slide there. <clears throat> the vision of Project Hope is this. We want to offer more hope to our family, to our neighbors, and to our world. And I talked about this a couple of weeks. I'm just going to kind of really briefly r- remind us what I was talking about there. But we want to offer more hope to our, to our, to our families and to our neighbor and to our world. We want to be greater hope to our family right here, this group of people right here, us, our church family, that we want anything that we're doing in church that is helping you in terms of your discipleship, helping you in terms of drawing you and your family closer to God. Uh, we want to fund that even in even greater ways. We want to step up and, and become more excellent in the way we do discipleship and in the way we do uh, the, the effective programs that we take care of here in terms of kids ministry and teen ministry and uh, small groups and uh, adult ministries uh, um, like men's and women's ministries and, and uh, also um, um, just in terms of care ministries, or counseling services and things like that. We want to be able to do these in even greater, more excellent ways. Uh, we, we want to be able to, to, to have a facility that helps us connect with one another in greater ways as well. And we also want to bring as much hope as we can to our neighbors, to, to this community as a whole, uh, right here where we are, to Dixon and the, and the, the surrounding communities. And, and that's going to look like a whole lot of different ways. We have a dream for a, a facility that serves as a connection point, not just for us, but for the community as a whole. Something that adds value. Like what we don't want is just a building that we come into for a couple of hours on a Sunday and then it sits empty the rest of the week. That, that is, there's nothing, I think that's horrible stewardship to do that, to, to pile money into a building that just sits empty most of the week. We want a, a facility that serves as a meaningful connection point to our community, to Dixon as a whole, and, and, and serves and, and adds, actually adds value to this community. A place where people can connect and build community with one another during the, the week. A place where people can go and get coaching in their life and, and, and uh, uh, you know, um, help in, in searching for different careers and things like that. A place where people who are uh, um, needy or impoverished can come and, and can get food or can get a change of clothes or, or, or whatever else that they might need. A place that maybe helps address some of the growing homelessness issues here in this city. And, and those are conversations that we're having as well. But, but, and, and a place where people can come uh, for counseling to, to kind of help heal their hurts and, and uh, help them, people that are stuck, actually get unstuck and move forward. But we want it to be a, a place where that, that the community as a whole begins to look to as, man, this... this, this facility, what they do there, the ministries that are happening there um, all throughout the week, not just on Sunday morning, is something that adds great value to our community. We want to we 
be a church that's, that's extending our reach around the world and offering more hope even, even to places around the world. Uh, you know, currently we have gospel partnerships in, <clears throat> I think, four continents uh, across the earth, and, and, uh, and we would like to see gospel uh, partnerships in every continent on this planet uh, extending our reach. We, we would like to be a church that is active in some way, whatever way that might, this might be, but actively training up leaders to go uh, to mission fields that God has called them to, uh, to plant churches that God has called them to plant, to go into unreached people groups and, and, and nations that are far from God. We would like to extend our reach and help people get trained up to do the, the work that God has called them to do. We want to offer hope, as, as the Great Commission tells us. We want to go into all the world, and, and, and we want to be faithful in that. Now, to do this requires us to step up. <coughs> it's going to require some, some funding, some funding. It's going to require us to step up our commitments. And we want to fund this vision uh, over the next two years. Over the next two years, we want to fund this vision. And so as you look into this <coughs> um, brochure here, we're, I'm going to unpack for you how we want to do that. And what we wanted to present to you this morning. Now, for, if, this is, if you're new here, if this is like your first time in church and you're like, oh, great, I have another church talking about money. Uh, I, I'm going to challenge you this morning to just look at this as a kind of peek behind the curtain of what goes on in the, into the thoughts. And, and, because this is the truth about Living Hope Church. We are not just a church that gathers once a week to sing songs. We are a church living on mission. Living on mission. We are a church trying to be a church seven days a week. We're a church trying to reach out into this community in meaningful, meaningful ways and be the hands and feet of Jesus more than just coming together and singing songs together. We want to be the church to this entire community. We believe in the mission that God has called us to. We believe that there's a reason why he has placed us here beyond just let's come together once a week and sing songs and hear a sermon. We believe that he has called us to make a difference into this com- in this community. We believe that he has called us to reach into the messy lives of people who no one else wants to touch and, and, and help those people out of their stuck situations. Thank you so much. And um, <clears throat> that's great. I wasn't going to take a drink, but it's there. So um, anyway, we, we want to we reach into to hurting people's lives and, and help them as much as, as we're able to do. We want to be a church that makes a difference. We want to be a church that lives out the words of Jesus Christ, not just a church that gathers socially once a week to sing songs and hear a sermon. We want to make an impact. We want to see this entire community transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I mean, this is why we do church. If you came here just because you like singing songs, um, well, that's only going to last you so long. Pretty soon you're going to hear all of our songs and you're going to hear all of my messages and, and, uh, and you're going to be like, eh, I'm done. But if you get a part of something that is a movement, something that is, is, is looking to reach out into the community in meaningful ways and you, want, you can be a part of something that's making a difference in people's lives, that transcends music. That transcends sermons. That's letting the gospel take root in your life and change you and, 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 and allow you, allowing the Holy Spirit to send you out in important and meaningful ways. So what we want to present to you this morning is, is, is the overall what we're looking at for this, for this next two years. And it's not just, here's the number of, amount of money that we'd like to add to our savings account. It's what does, holistically, what does it look like for us over the next two years? You, you heard me report uh, a couple of weeks ago 
that uh, giving in our church went up by 16% last year. And that was awesome to be able to report that. God, I mean, you guys have been so faithful. And thank you guys so much for that. That's a, I don't know what, what you know about church life, but that's a huge number for a church. That's a huge number that, that, that you guys stepped up and were, became even more faithful in your giving by, by the, you know, to the tune of 16%. That's a, that's a big number. And, and so thankful to you all for just listening to God and, and, and acting on what he's called you to do. That's a big thing. So as a growing church and as a church that will have different types of needs as we become a a facility-owning or or operating church, um, we need to think in terms of what the future looks like for our church. There are other churches uh, anywhere around the nation that have buildings or facilities of their own. They have to budget for things that we just simply haven't had to budget for. Greater insurance costs, uh, repairs, and upkeep of a building, uh, mortgage, uh, you know, payments or what, whatever, whatever that looks like. But there are added expenses that have not been a part of our budget that come with, you know, owning a piece of property or operating a piece of property. And so we need to begin to f- figure that into uh, the normal kind of everyday uh, rhythm of our church life. And so what, what we go ahead and put that next slide up. What we're presenting to you, if you it's on the back side of, of the brochure here, is this that we would like to see our uh, projected, our our regular giving that we want to project for the next two years. We grew by 16% last year. What we want to challenge you to is let's see our regular giving grow by 15% over the course of the next two years, or or, or for each of the next two years, I should say. So a 15% increase over last year for 2015 is going to be $265,000, and then a 15% increase on that for 2016 is going to be $310,000. And it's so important that not just that we bring in a bunch of money and pile, you know, stick it in a savings account to use for, for you know, uh, what, whatever you know, building or whatever, but that our giving increases with the new needs that will increase as well with, the on, with, with taking on that that something that we've never taken on before. And so we have to see our giving uh, increase so that we can sustain that. Because if we buy a building that, we, that we're just going to, you know, lose to the bank in a few years, that's, none of us want that, amen? I mean, none of us want that. And so we want to see our giving increase by 15% over each of the next two years. The, the next thing that we want is we want to see an extra, extra $300,000 come in over the next two years. So it's $150,000 for each of the next two years. $300,000 does not fully fund this vision. I'm just going to tell you, it just doesn't. It does not fully, unless God steps in, which we're going to be praying for, uh, but unless he steps in and does something miraculous, $300,000 does not fund this vision. What it does, though, is it positions us as a congregation to do what we feel like God is calling us to do. And, and, and as a part of that building thing, that positions us to either make a down payment on a building or make a payment on a, bu- a building that uh, God has worked in some landowner's heart to su- significantly reduce and, and give to us for a cheaper price or whatever that looks, look, looks like. It gives us the capital in, or- in order to invest in this vision. And so it positions us to, to uh, like I said, make that down payment or potentially make a miraculous purchase. And that's what we want to do. 300000 300000 in addition to our 15%. So... That's kind of the holistic look. Go ahead and put up that next slide. So total, grand total for the next two years, what we're looking to do is $875,000. $875,000. Now, just to kind of put this in maybe terms that are more understandable to you, this is, this is what we're looking to do. We're looking to raise up three years worth of giving in two years. Three years worth of giving in two years. As, as we talk through this, um, 
we felt like this was um, a, a goal that, that made a little bit of sense to us in, term, in terms of this. It's definitely a faith-stretching goal for us. It's a big, it's a big, that's a big number for our church. We're not a huge church. Um, you know, we've got five rows of seats. <laughs> so, I mean, we're not, we're not a giant church or anything like that. But we felt like it was a major step of faith for us. And at the same time, we felt like it was good, uh, it, it was good sense in terms of it's going to require faith, but it's not so insane uh, that it seems completely unattainable. We feel like that with God's help that we can attain this. With God's help, we feel like this is something that's very manageable for us. Three years worth of giving over the course of two years. Now, now what, what, what I want to challenge you to do is, is, is that as you, as you think about this and pray for Well, first of all, let me say this. Let me say this. Because um, I'm going I'm to talk about a challenge here in a second. And before I do that, I, I want to preface it with this. If you're a person that feels like, um, you know, good grief, this church is just becoming another church that is just, you know, asking for money or, or what, whatever else. And, 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 you know, we're feeding into whatever negative stereotype that's coming into your mind. And this is, you feel yourself getting tense right now in your heart. And you, I mean, it's just, you're just getting angry. Can I just say this? Um, and I don't mean this in any kind of rude, spiteful way. I, I just mean it as a matter of fact. Please, please, please keep your money. We are not out for money that you don't want to give. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. And if you spend some time with us as a church, you'll find that we're a church that is not about money. We do things as frugally and as simply as we possibly can. We always have and we always will. We always will. We, we do our very best to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. And this is not about money. This is about we are a church on mission and we have work to do, and we want to fund that vision. We want to fund that vision. And I don't apologize for that. I don't apologize for that at all because I believe, and I know many of you also believe in the work that God has called us to you to do. You believe in a city that is impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believe in the lives that will be changed uh, by the, by the uh, added ministries and other things that we plan on doing in this church. There, I, I'm tired. Can I just say this? This is one of my little pet peeves. Because I believe that, that, that God actually requires a lot of the church in terms of meeting the needs of people. And can, can I tell you, one of the most frustrating th- for th- things for me as a pastor is when people come to our church with needs, I mean, legitimate needs, that, and they need help. And my response to them um, is something along the lines of, we're, we're just not equipped to handle that. We're just not equipped to handle that. But try this organization. Or have you filed for this type of assistance? Or what, you know, whatever, that, whatever that looks like. I don't want us to be that church anymore. I want us to be a church that is equipped to handle the needs, uh, both physical and spiritual, of this community. And I feel like us doing this is going to position us to be the church that for many of you who have been here for years have felt in your heart that God wanted and God called us to be. It's kind of the next natural step in in the growth of our church. And as we grow as a church, you go to any church. I've said this before. You've heard me say it. You you step into any church across this nation, any church, and start asking some pointed questions about how they became the church they became. And what you're going to start to hear is that somewhere in the history of that church, 
there came a point in time when the people had to step forward and say, I believe in what we're doing here so much, and I believe that what we're doing here is so necessary that I'm willing to make some great sacrifices to make it happen. And this is our time. This is our time. You've heard me say that, that Jamie and I have been praying intently over the last months about you know, asking God, what is, what is our part in this? What would you have us to, to give? How would you have us to sacrifice? And the numbers that God has been laying on our heart for us have been kind of scary. For, for some of you, maybe they wouldn't be that scary. But for us, they're, they're scary numbers for us. We feel like God is calling us to sacrifice in some, some meaningful ways and to trust him, not just sacrifice, but also just trust him in some meaningful ways. I believe that if you feel God calling you to a certain thing, that he will make the way for that thing to happen, even if you can't see where it's going to take place. So a lot of that is, some of it is, it's like part sacrifice, and then I think part of it is just faith. God, you put this and press this on my heart. I don't know how it's going to happen, so you've got you to make that happen. But I will give it, and I will offer it if you can make it happen. So there's a lot of trust there. In your um, brochure, there's this thing that we're calling the intention card. The intention card. And in three weeks, go ahead and put that next slide up. In three weeks, we're going to have Commitment Sunday, March 1st. March 1st is going to be Commitment Sunday for us, where what we want to, to do is we're just going to spend some time worshiping together and praising him. And, and, uh, and also, we're going to offer up these intention cards where uh, you have prayerfully over the next three, three weeks uh, really kind of dug in intently and asked God, God, is, what is my part in this vision? And you have committed and you offer that commitment in terms of this intention card uh, at some point during that service in three weeks. And let me just kind of go through with you what this looks like. So there's kind of a sample side of that card. And, and so you see the first line there is a line that says, what, what, I, what I or we normally give every year. And that's just kind of a place for you to jot that in. What's that amount? Maybe it's a small amount. Maybe it's nothing. Uh, maybe, it's a, maybe you're a faithful tither. Whatever that looks like. Um, but what is, what is that figure that I normally give every single year? And then the second line, this is my expanded project hope giving. If you feel God is calling you to increase your regular tithes and offerings giving, uh, then that's where you write that number. And then you add those two numbers up to get the figure below it and multiply that by two years for a project hope campaign. And then you get that, that next number there off over to the right-hand side. Now there's another line there that says gift from stored resources. This is kind of where the above and beyond goes. So that, that first half kind of gets us to where the, the increase in our regular giving. But this gift from stored resources where I want you all to get creative, where I want you to ask God, God, how could you generate income in my life where I, don't, where I may not personally have it right now to where that I could give to see this vision come true? And that could look like a lot of different ways. Let me just, I'm going to give some examples. A lot of these that come straight out of the Bible. It could be <clears throat> for some of you, that you have a piece of property. I mean, you kind of start looking into your life in areas where you have excess, where you have extra, where you have multiple items of. And some of you may be, say, uh, property managers, property owners, whatever. Maybe you have a, a piece of property that, that God would impress on your heart and say, if you'll sell this piece of property and give to this vision, then, I, then it will help accomplish this vision. So you offer up that the idea of, of that piece. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a real estate, maybe it's a, a car or a boat or, or some other item that you own that, that, that could, you know, help towards this vision. So you start kind of taking inventory of your life. God, what do I have that could turn in to the funding for what it is you're calling us to do? And that goes all across, kind of across the board for all of us. 
It, it could be um, that you have some sort of skill or you're an artist at heart and you could provide some sort of service uh, that you're not currently providing or whatever and you step up and say, okay, God, um, you know, I, ha- I haven't really been doing handyman work for a while, but whatever handyman business you give me over the next two years, I promise I'll, I'll pass that on to this vision. Or, or, or you're an artist in terms of, you know, you paint paintings or whatever and God, whatever, you know, I'm going to put on a show and whatever I make from, from this art show, God, I promise to give to you and whatever, just begin to think, how is it that God can use your gifts, your abilities, the things, the stuff that God has blessed you with? Maybe you've got, um, maybe you're a person that, that is like an organizer and you can think through an event and plan an event that would, would help raise money for, uh, the cause of this church. I've already had one person uh, step up and, and, and say, and th- th- man, this comes straight out of the Bible. I was reading Exodus a few weeks ago. In, in Exodus, you know, the people have been delivered, children of Israel delivered from Egypt, and they are now going to build a tabernacle. They're wandering out in the wilderness, and they're going to build a tabernacle, a place to worship God. And everybody, I mean, there's, there are over a million people in this nation out there wandering around, and everybody believes in the vision of having this worship, place of worship so much that they begin to bring in everything they have. They bring in their gold. They bring in their jewelry. They bring in, some of them are skilled um, uh, stone workers and woodworkers and contractors and things like that, and that uh, seamstresses and, and, and such, and they bring in their abilities and their whatever I can contribute to this, whether it be from my belongings or from what you have skilled or blessed me or gifted me to do, I will, I will offer that to make that happen. And it, they brought in so much, it got to the point that Moses had to stop them and say, we have enough. We have enough. We have more than enough. You can stop bringing your gifts. That would be a great Sunday, by the way. That would be a great Sunday. But I'm just saying, I love, there have already been some of you who have stepped forward and said, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but you know what? Um, I can do design work. You know what? I, I'm, I'm a contractor and I can do this kind of work. You know what? I'm an architect and I can do, I can draw up plans and, uh, you know, things like that. And so whatever that looks like for you, but begin to take inventory of you and your life and your abilities and your possessions and prayerfully seek God. How can I fill in that blank, my gift from stored resources with something above and beyond what God is calling me to give in terms of, of, of making this vision happen? And then you total all of that up, and that's kind of what you're going to commit over the next two years. I'm, I'm going to commit to make this happen over the next two years. Now, this is not a contract. <clears throat> this is not something we're going to bug you about. We're not going to send you a bill. Uh, we're not going to do anything like that. All this is... Is, a, is, is an intention. You putting to, pen to paper to saying, God, because I've prayerfully sought God's face about this matter, I'm going to commit that I'm, that I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do everything I can. God willing, this is what's going to happen. And it gives us as a church something to celebrate, and it gives us an idea of how God might be moving uh, in uh, and amongst us as we move forward in this. But I believe in this, guys. I believe in this vision. And uh, what God has called us to do, there's a verse inside of that that I love so much. Uh, On that first page, it says this. It's from Ephesians. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. We've always said we want to be, be a church that brings glory to God. And I want us to be a church in this moment, in this time, with this initiative, with this project that is able to point to God and say glory to God. Look at what you have done. 
Not what we have done, not what, look what we did, but instead, God, glory to you. You are mighty and you are awesome and you are able to accomplish more in us than we could ever dream of. I believe that not only for this moment and this initiative, but I also believe it for our work here in the city. I believe that there are things that God wants to accomplish in and through us in the city and then beyond in this world that we can't even hardly dream of right now. I want to be a part of that. Do you? I do. I do. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your uh, word to us or, or, or for, for um, the, your vision to us this morning. And um, God, we want to be that church that you've called us to be. We want to be a church that really <clears throat> does more than just gathers once a week for worship, God. But instead, we are digging in in hard and meaningful ways to this community, God, we're making a difference. God, where we are stepping out on faith and extending our reach all across the planet uh, and sharing the gospel with those who desperately need it. We want to be difference makers. And God, we believe you want us to position ourselves in order to do that in even greater ways. So God, would you speak to each of us? Would you stretch us in, in some scary ways and Speak to each of us. God for, God, for those in the room that have been faithfully giving um, all this time, God, I, I, just, I thank you so much for them and, th- and for their faithfulness, God. And God, would you just speak to them about what their part would be? God, for those who have, um, who have not uh, been giving, for whatever reason, God, maybe it's just a, a, they're at a place in their life where their budget is tight. Maybe if they were honest with themselves, they could just say, you know, their faith hasn't been what it is. They just haven't been able to see it. Whatever that is, whatever, meet us wherever we are, God, and would your Holy Spirit just speak to us and challenge us in ways because we want to see a church in this community where we are on mission, where we have been called to doing what we know a church is capable of doing. So we're going to trust you for this. We're going to trust you for this. We ask you to go ahead of us. Go ahead of us in conversations with re- with uh, realtors and landowners go ahead of us in conversations with city officials and and uh, red tape issues god go ahead of us and clear the path for your vision to come to pass we love you we ask for miracles we ask for unexpected things things that only you could work out this is your vision god and we trust it to you and we will contribute to it in whatever way whether it be from our possessions whether it be from our skills and our gifts, whatever it could be, God, whether it's our our prayers, whatever. We offer this to you and we ask for you and we thank you in advance and praise you and glorify you in advance of what we know you're going to do in this city. Indeed, you are able. Where we aren't, where we often feel inadequate. I don't know if you've heard, but we're in this series called The Art of Neighboring. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, we do want to become better neighbors. I, you know, I talk, talked about before how, um, you know, when it comes to issues like generosity, there's, no, there's nobody in this room that's like, I do not want to be a more generous person. You know, we all want to be more generous. We all want to be uh, looked at as, as, as people of, that are generous in our spirits. And I think the same thing is true about neighborings. I think we all want to be good neighbors. None of us set out to become bad neighbors. I, I, I confessed last week that I've been kind of a bad neighbor, not 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 an ugly neighbor, but um, but just a, you know not a friendly neighbor. You know, I, I wave, 
And then I drive into my garage, and I shut the door, and I go in my house, and I never speak to my neighbors, really, and, you know, don't really know who they are. And we're in the process, you know, our family's in the process of trying to remedy that situation and getting to know our neighbors and create opportunities where we mix more and things like that. Uh, but but I, wa- I want to be a good neighbor. I really do. And then this all stems from, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, he, he said a few words that we refer to as the great commandment. You can put that scripture up there where he says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And when he talks about the law and the prophets, uh, he's referring to different sections of the Old Testament, what we, what we would today call the Old Testament. And he's saying, you want to sum up all of Scripture? It's this. Love God with everything that's in you, in you everything that's in you. And love your neighbor as yourself. Every bit of scripture hangs on these two things. Love God and love your neighbors. Love God and love your neighbors. And if you can do that, you, I mean, you've got a lot of this whole thing, this, all, this religion thing figured out. Love God, love your neighbors. And we talked about last week, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll take love your neighbors and change that into love others. And the only problem with that is that we get to kind of pick and choose who others are. But what if when Jesus said love your neighbors, he literally meant love your neighbors. And I think he meant more than that. You know, he, he gives a great example in the good story of the Good Samaritan, how he meant more than just your next door neighbors. But I think a part of that is us being good neighbors. What if he meant literally love our neighbors? Because we, we don't get to pick and choose, and some of us wish we could pick and choose, and you know that sort of thing. And, and, and you know, not all, all of us have uh, great relationships with our neighbors per se. This is the thing, though, about neighboring. If we want to be, which I think we do, if we really want to be a good neighbor, it's one of those things, like any other great thing in life, that it doesn't hap- tends to not happen accidentally. If you're going to do it, you, there's got to be some intention behind it. You've got you to make it happen. You have to make it a priority in your life. You have to make it a priority in your life. I, um, I had a really cool moment this last week where, well, kind of cool and not cool, uh, but I, um, I have an adult kid now. Um, Molly turned 18 this week, and that, you don't need to cheer for that. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, she turned 18 this week, and uh, I mean, it's just it, it, I can't believe I'm the you know, parent of a legal adult now. Um, but th- that's I mean that's where I am in life. But I had this cool moment where on her birthday I was able to give her something, and some of you may have read about it on Facebook. But I, I, I um, when Molly was just a few days old, literally, literally just a few days old. Um, I, at that time, we were living in the Oklahoma City area. I was finishing up Bible college, and and. Uh, I was also drilling with the uh, Army Reserves. And, uh, and so I was at one of my reserve weekends and, and um, kind of, you know, if you've done reserve or National Guard duty, you know there's a lot of boredom. And, uh, and so I was kind of downtime. I'm sitting at a desk trying to figure out what to do. And I'm thinking about, I got this new baby. I'm just kind of thinking, you know, how awesome life is. And so I, 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 I stole government property in terms of pen and, or pen and paper and envelope and, and uh, put pen to paper and decided to write Molly a letter, and and she she couldn't read; she was only a few days old. Uh, but but I wrote, I, you know, I just kind of I was just thinking about, you know, what are the most important things that I want Molly to know from me, and uh, and so I, I began to kind of write that down in, in the form of a letter to her. 
And, uh, and so I wrote the letter and, uh, you know, sealed it up in the envelope and wrote on the outside, you know, not to be open until your 18th birthday. And, uh, and so that letter has been tucked into a book in my library for 18 years, and I was finally able to pull that out and give that to her. And she got to read that, and, and uh, I think it was meaningful to her. Uh, but it was, it was um, I, I can't tell you the sense of satisfaction I got from that payoff, from something that I had kind of invested in years and years ago, and finally got to see the payoff that I had hoped to see someday. Uh, and and uh, that, it was just so satisfying. It was just so satisfying. Um, and, and many of you maybe have felt similar things. Something that was important to you that, that you decided was worth some time and some investment, some planning, some intention. Uh, maybe it was the purchase of a home where you spent months or years saving up money and paying off debt or whatever else to get yourself in a position to be able to purchase your dream home or, you know, whatever that is or uh, whatever situation, you know, the, 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 the completion of a degree, the, uh, the, the, the ability to work in a career field you always wanted to work in that required you to do some work and planning and intention ahead of time. And you finally get to that moment of payoff where you're starting that job on your first day or you're handed the keys to your new home or, or whatever that looks like in that feeling of Oh, it's just a, a very satisfying feeling, a very satisfying feeling. There was a great movie that came out a few years ago called uh, The Bucket List, where these two old guys, you know, kind of wrote a, a list of things they wanted to accomplish with their lives before they kicked the bucket, and uh, funny movie and everything. But uh, in this, you know, I think after that, a lot of people were thinking in terms of, of uh, you know, what are those things? And I know some of you have that list of things, things you want to accomplish, uh, things you just kind of big life events you'd like to see take place, whether it's a marriage or kids or grandkids or the purchase of a home or or uh, or a, a particular career or a degree, uh, some some sort of something that is important for you, conversations that you want to have with people, important conversations, relationships that you want to see built up into something fantastic and meaningful and things like that. And those important things, those things that you have kind of prioritized in your life as the most important things, if you're not careful, what will happen to those things is what was in this next statement. And it's this. Go ahead and put that up. That we must not let the urgent crowd out the important. We must not let the urgent crowd out the important. The urgent always tries to crowd out what's most important in your life. It always has. It always will. There are things that come up that feel urgent, feel like they need to be handled, taken care of right now, whatever, and maybe they're a little moment in time things, maybe they're commitments over a longer period of time, whatever that looks like, but, but this is what I can promise you, that all throughout your life, things that appear to be urgent will attempt to crowd out those things in your life that you have deemed most important. And what I know is this, is that when you get to the end of your life, very, very few of those things that were urgent will actually matter. And I don't want us to be a people who, live, who have lived life all the way through and get to the end with regrets that we didn't take time or be intentional about those things that were most important because we were always letting the urgent crowd out what was most important. I think the neighboring thing kind of falls into this category too. We want to be a good neighbor, but if you're like me, I mean, you kind of think about the process of 
building a relationship with your neighbors. Because, I mean, we want to do that. Because this is what I know, that as, as Christ followers, we, we want to care for people. We want to care about people. And you know as well as I do, you have neighbors within a door or two of your house that are probably hurting and in pain. And if you just knew what they were going through, you would jump at the opportunity to help them if you could. But you kind of got to get to know them to figure out what's going on in their lives. And when am I going to have the time to get to know them because I'm so stinking busy? And it could be that the reason a lot of us find ourselves, whether it's with your neighbors or with the priorities regarding your families or regarding your church or whatever else, it could be that the reason you feel so busy and you don't have time to work on that important stuff is because you've allowed all these urgent things to crowd that important stuff out. We've got to be a people who will take the time to kind of evaluate our lives. And this is what I want to challenge you to do. Evaluate your life and ask yourself, what, what am I currently engaged in? What's currently in my calendar, in my schedule, you know, whatever? What am I committed to? What organizations am I involved in? <clears throat> what things have I said yes to um, that maybe really fall in the category of urgent and not so much important? Now, important, urgent things don't have to be bad things. Sometimes they're very, oftentimes, they're very good things. They're very good things. When I was a young single guy, um, there was a lot of things I engaged in as a single guy that were enjoyable to me, that, that I thought were valuable in my life that I don't now. Um, you know, there was, I used, to spend, <laughs> I used to spend, I don't know, 50 or 100 bucks a week on comic books. I loved that. I thought that was great. That was a great investment of my money because they're all going to be worth millions someday and, and uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but but I, I just, I, I mean, I, I just, that just brought me tons of pleasure. I used to do that. I used to, you know, spend a couple nights a week out playing, you know, basketball with the guys or, or, or whatever, um, you know, uh, racquetball or something like that, just constantly out with, uh, you know, people engaged in activities. And then when I got married and when I had kids, my priorities shifted. And suddenly those things that were good to me previously weren't, did not come up quite as high on the priority list. So suddenly there were more important things for me to spend my money on. There were more important people to me to spend my time with. There were, and, and so these, again, not bad things, good things, but not most important things. And so I had to restructure my life. And, and the same way we all kind of go through different seasons of life where we kind of look at things, things aren't working, and we've got to do some restructuring. And what I want to challenge you to think about over this next week is, have I structured my life in such a way <clears throat> that God couldn't use me if he wanted to? Have I structured my life, have I scheduled out my life in such a way that God couldn't use me even if he wanted to? How many of you have been in this situation? And, and I know almost everybody has where you're driving down the road, you see somebody pulled off on the side of the road, they're obviously in need of some sort of assistance, a flat tire or something. And for that, you have that flash of a thought, maybe I should pull over them and help them. And then the next flash is, I'm already late. I got to go. Right? And we are presented with opportunities like that all the time. We see people in need. We have that flash of maybe I, this is my moment to be that good Samaritan, to be that, that helpful hand, to be Jesus' hands and feet to someone. And instead, we're thinking, I'm late already. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And I'm going to tell you, that's, a, that's an unhealthy pace of life. It's not only unhealthy for you physically, but I think it's unhealthy for you spiritually. You guys heard me talk, I don't know why, but we're just on this big kick right now. 
but J- Jamie and I and the kids, we, we love the Andy Griffith show. We just watch the Andy Griffith show all the time. And uh, it's just great. I love Netflix. And so, um, and so I, just, one of the things I love so much about the Andy Griffith show is that they have regularly have these scenes in the show where either like in the evenings or like on Sunday afternoons or something like that, the family and the friends, they're just kind of all sitting on Andy's porch and they're relaxing and rocking chairs and playing the guitar and singing a little bit and, uh, you know, sipping some coffee or, you know, peeling an apple or, I mean, just, just chilling, just absolutely just laid back, chilling, just enjoying that rest together. And Jamie, every time we see those scenes, Jamie and I look at, look at, her, look at each other and we're like, we never just sit around peeling apples. You know, I mean, we're like, we're like we, we just don't, we don't have the time. Where would we even find the time to do that, right? And, and the, the thing I love about those scenes, though, is that, and the thing, I think I, the thing I think I like about those scenes is it makes me hungry for a slower pace of life. It makes me hungry for, that's one of the things that most people, when they go on mission trips, they come back, I think that impacts people as much or more than anything, is how much they enjoyed the slower pace of life that people in other countries a lot of times tend to, you know, value more than we do. I think there's something to be said for a slower pace of life, a less busy pace of life. And, and even if, you know, even if it, like rest is not a high priority to you which, by the way, God says it should be. But even if that's not your big priority, when you create times, areas of margin in your life where you're not overscheduled and overtaxed and everything else, there's just simply kind of good, healthy downtime in your life. Some of you are like, I can't remember the last time I had downtime. But when you create that margin in your life for that downtime, you also create margin for God to use you in a lot of really unexpected ways. And it could be in the form of being a better neighbor. It could be in the form of making some connections with people that you've been meaning to make connections with but have just been putting it off. You've just been putting it off. Now, like I said, a lot of this stuff is not bad stuff in our life that tends to crowd out the important stuff. A lot of it's good stuff. And we've got to learn the ability <coughs> to say uh, a word that I think is God's, one, of, one of God's greatest gifts to us, and that word is No. We have to be able to become people who will say no to even good opportunities. Now, I'm not saying we become stingy or self-centered or anything like that. I'm saying we become people who have a clear view of what is most important to us. And we, before we say yes to anything or everything, we take a breath, we pause, and we ask ourselves, if, if, is me saying yes to this thing potentially going to crowd out what is most important to me? And if you can develop that skill of being able to kind of evaluate opportunities in that way, it's huge. It's huge. I want to read a, a parable to you that Jesus taught. It's in Luke chapter 8. It's a, if you've been in church very long, you've heard this before. It's probably one of his most famous parables. Uh, it's the parable of the sower. It's Luke chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 5. He tells this story. Jesus often told these uh, kind of spiritual truths in story form. This is what he says. <coughs> a, sower, <coughs> a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. 
And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, when Jesus told these parables, these, these stories, a lot of times there were, um, they, they were, what would follow those stories was some sort of explanation as to what the story meant. Or it was so obvious what he meant that everybody was like, ah, yeah, I get that, right? Uh, in this situation, Jesus tells what I think is probably one of his most complex parables. There's a lot of different facets to it, a lot of different meanings in it. And instead of explaining it, he's just like, if you've got ears to hear, then hear it. And that's it. And so what we find in the very next passage is Jesus' closest disciples come to him and they're like, okay, you told this really great story earlier about a sower. And man, it was so good. I, it was just one of those that was, you could just tell it was chock full of meaning, but we didn't get any of it. So we need you to explain it to us. And so Jesus sits them down and now to them begins to explain the parable of the sower. And, and in verse 11, he says this. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed that the sower is sowing is the word of God. I'm not going to read the whole explanation. I'm just going to read the, the part I want to read this morning that is pertinent to our conversation. Back, we go down to verse 14. He says this, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not, say that word with me, mature, mature. I think for a lot of us, Jesus is describing us in this passage this morning. We're people who have heard the word, we've received it, we like it, we want it to you know, have an impact on us, and we want to get to know the giver of that word more. We, 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 we have welcomed that word into our lives. But what we have not done is create the margin in our life so that word can actually take root and have an impact on who we are as people. And there's this idea that we can just kind of go on being the same old people that we were before the word of God got a hold of us, and somehow that'll work out. And Jesus tells us in this parable that once the word of God gets a hold of you, you have to clear some obstacles. You have to weed, up, weed out some, some weeds and some thorn bushes and some stones, get some stones out of the way and things like that. You've got you to move some things out of the way in your life so that the word of God can fully take root in your life in such a way that it transforms you. And I think a lot of us sit here, sitting here this morning are well-meaning people, people who want the Word of God to take root in our life, but we have not eliminated anything else from our life to allow it to take root in our life. And it could be that you have these things that Jesus described, at, described here in verse 14, where these cares and riches and pleasures that are keeping you from being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Keeping you from actually seeing those more, most important things take place in your life instead of just the urgent things crowding them out. Those cares, I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things that Jesus list, listed either, by the way. Cares, we all have cares, we have things that we care about that are, you know, that we, I mean, there's nothing wrong with things that you care about. Riches, Nothing wrong with riches. The Bible says that, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. As long as we're not in love with money, then money is a good thing to have. I don't know about you, but money, you know, money, you know, tends to provide the things that I need and want to do in life. I like having a little money around. I've had money and I've had no money and money is way better than no money. Way better. It's not even close. Not even close. And so there's nothing wrong with, with having a little bit of riches in your life, Okay. 
And then the pleasures. I'm a big pleasure guy. Love pleasures. Okay? Like, I love pleasures. I like things that please me. And so there's nothing wrong with pleasures either. But when you are so transfixed on the cares of, of the, this life, the things that are causing you worry and anxiety and everything else, when you're so transfixed on your riches, those things, you know, spending all your time trying to pad your bank account or, or fund your too expensive lifestyle or whatever else, or you're so transfixed on things that bring you pleasure, then a lot of times there's not that room for God to work in your life. And the same thing is true, I think, about this concept of us being better neighbors. You know, yeah, we all want to be better neighbors. We all want to be good neighbors. But maybe there's just so much junk in our life that there's just no time for that. And I want to step out on a limb here and say I think that's a little bit sinful. I think it's a little bit sinful. I think it's actually healthy. Can, can I? Oh, I'm gonna, oh, I feel like stepping on some toes. You ready? Here we go. Can, can I just say this? That um, your kids don't have to participate in everything they want to participate. <laughs> they don't. They really don't. Or, or, here, or here, how, about th- how about this? Maybe only have them participate in the things they want to participate in. Um, maybe, you know, you reliving your football dreams through your eight-year-old is not such a good idea. Um, man, I could do this all day long. This is fun. Um, anyway, but I'm just, I'm just saying we busy up our lives with things that are just so unnecessary. So unnecessary. And what if we became people this week who would sit down and kind of think think through, you know, if if you're married, think it through with your wife or your husband, and begin to think through what is it that's taking up all of our time and is there any of that stuff that could go to help us spend more time on those things that are most important to us, on those relationships that are most important to us? Is there anything I could do to create a little margin to where I could become a good neighbor if I had the opportunity to become a good neighbor? Margin in your life is a good thing. If you've got a few nights a week where you don't have anything going on, don't feel some urge to fill that time up. Enjoy it and just see how, allow God to work in that time. Uh, You hear me say a lot that ministry happens in the interruptions of life. Ministry happens, ministry is very rarely ever planned. Ministry happens in the interruptions of life. But if your life is so busy that God couldn't interrupt it, through anything short of a heart attack, um, then it's time to kind of get rid of some of those cares, riches, pleasures, and allow the Word of God to take root in your life to where God can actually do something with your life. Amen? Amen. Let's continue this process of becoming better neighbors. I've heard stories from many of you this week where you got out and you got to know some of your neighbors' names. Keep that process going. Get to know those. Hey, you got those cards in your your chair, uh, the white cards or the yellow cards. Uh, and just kind of start filling in who are those eight closest neighbors to my house, and I want to get to know them. I want to get to know who they are. And we're going to talk next week a little bit about how we can create opportunities to really get to know our neighbors. But this is what I know. There are people that are hungering right now, hungry, starving for a touch from God in their life within walking distance of your house. And it could be that God's plan to reach out and touch them is you. Do you have time for him? Do you have time for them? Create that margin. Get rid of that business. Let's put up that last slide. This. Busyness and hurry 
are the enemies of relationship and intimacy. Busyness and hurry are the enemies of relationship and intimacy. If you want to see greater, more healthy relationships in your life, more meaningful relationships in your life, then you've got to do something about the busyness and about the hurry that's in your life as well. Let's pray. (coughs) Jesus, you're good to us, and we thank you so much for giving us words that inspire us towards uh, living for you in greater ways. God, we want to be um, we want to be good neighbors. We want to um, to really be looked at in our community as as, as people who uh, were good and kind and caring neighbors. So God, give us the margin in our lives to help make that happen. God, if, if some of us in this room I know need to make some tough decisions, need to let a few things go, a few commitments go, and um, restructure their lives. And so God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and just give them the um, desire to do that, to restructure their lives in, in, in such a way that they're able to be used by you in a greater way. God, help us to be a people who will allow you to prioritize our lives. And when we look at those important things that you've prioritized in our lives, we will make sure that the important things get done are not crowded out by the urgent things. We love you. Continue your work in us, change us, and help us to be the church to this community that you're calling us to be. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. All right. Let's uh, go. Everybody have a great week. Uh, Hug a neck before you leave. See you later.